Glory to God. Actually, we could do that here, eh? Uh, you well, yeah, I'm going to invite you to stand one more moment. I know you might be tired. Then you're going to sit for another season. <laughs> so, Gloria a Dios means glory to God. How many can pronounce Gloria a Dios? You seem to have an accent. I like people with accents. So we're going to say that with all the strength of our hearts. Amen. And when we say glory to God in Spanish, why now why Spanish? Because I was uh, informed that it will be the language of heaven. Right? <laughs> It's a very sweet language, right? So in any case, we're going to say it in Spanish. God understands every language. But when we say, let's say it with anointing. Let's say it with faith. And let this region even the powers in the region, be notified that the people of God gives the glory only to God. Amen? So repeat again, Gloria a Dios. Now, when we say one, two, three, we're not going to just say Gloria a Dios. We're going to sustain it until you run out of air. Now, if you faint, uh, we'll have ushers here that will help you and wake you up, you know? But we're going to say with all the strength of our lungs and our heart. Amen? Are you ready? Instead of Gloria a Dios, no. Gloria a Dios. You hear this so many times in my home. I go to one prayer meeting a day only. My wife goes to two. So those are three. At least three times we hear this Gloria a Dios in our homes through the computers and we cry out. And I tell you, we are blessed every, every day, every time. Sometimes five nations are represented in one single group. So like Mexico, Argentina, Ecuador, and so forth. And it's awesome to hear this concert of Gloria a Dios. Amen? Are you ready to say it? At the count of three. Uno, dos, tres. Gloria a Dios! Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. You may be seated. So at least uh, I master enough courage to come and preach this word to you. Amen. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And today we're going to talk about God wants to transform our homes. That glory, that Holy Spirit and fire that we imagine in the churches coming and in, in the churches in America. But now we imagine it in our living rooms, in our kitchens, in our homes. Amen. So the plan of God is to transform the homes of the Christians. And in... Uh, In Acts chapter 15 and verse 15 it says, For the conversion of the Gentiles, what happened in the house of Cornelius ended up 
becoming an influence, an open gate, an open door for the conversion of the non-Jewish people. What is a Christian home according to the Bible? I believe we can find it in Matthew 7.25. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds be against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. It's built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what is a Christian home? It's a home built on faith. It is our platform for ministry to the rest of the world and for the rest of our lives. And also is an influential home. And I will repeat this several times throughout this teaching because in Acts 15, 17, I found this phrase that reignited my heart. First I cry and then I begin to dream with this phrase from God. And it says, that the house of Cornelius was transformed so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. Homes are meant by God to have international influence. And I will give you some testimonies about that, especially about my parents. So what I'm going to share with you today is completely supernatural. There is no way you and I can devise a nice strategy and make it happen. You may as well just give it up from the beginning of this teaching and say, Lord, it's going to be you because I cannot do it. It's going to be your power in my home. Amen? So let me read you a story about a home that changed the history of Christianity early on. In Acts chapter 10, it says that in Caesarea... Verse 1, there lived a Roman army officer called or named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. Now, I can relate to that because I come from Italian background, right? And it says, he was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. Why would a house like this need transformation? It seemed like he had it all right. And I, I tell you, I have gone through so much through this chapter because of the intervention of the Holy Spirit in my life in the last 30 days. And this is what I re was referring to the Lord when I said, Lord, most of our families cannot even make it to the verse 2. How can I preach the whole chapter? And God showed me that this man had so much going for him and yet... He did not have salvation in Christ. He did not have the Holy Spirit. There was no baptism of fire and Holy Spirit in his home. There is more. Even if your home looks pretty good, say with me, there is more. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock. How many know at 3 p.m. anywhere in the world, it is bright light, right? He had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. 
Now, send some men to Joppa, whatever pronunciation you want to choose. And it was about 14 hours by walk from Caesarea to Joppa, right? And summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon a Tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, I was impressed by this. As soon as the angel disappeared, the vision was gone. Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Talk about having a vision in the, ne in the next five minutes, taking the steps to see it fulfilled. I receive in my spirit that several of you have visions for your home. Promises from the Bible, thousands. Then prophecies. It's not uncommon for a prophet to come and not know anything about your home and suddenly start prophesying over your family. And we learn from this man that he acted quickly once he understood the vision was from God. Number nine, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to, uh, to the flat roof to pray, on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, again, daylight, and he was hungry. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw, so Cornelius had a vision, Peter has a vision. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. Verse 12. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. And you understand that for a Jew to hear that, it caused a lot of contradictions in his mind. No, Lord. How many know those two words don't go together? Yes, Lord, they go together. No, Lord, uh, something is wrong with us. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Some people need two, two visions. Some of you might need three. Maybe tonight is the third one, you know. The voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean. If God has made it clean, the same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. It seems like the more we walk in the gospel, for some reason we need more persuasion. Lord, I heard this five times. Can you give me, to me another five before I... But Cornelius, he said, an angel spoke to me. Done deal. And he sent the, the, the team to look for Peter. Verse 17, Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? He was looking for meaning. He was looking for understanding. Many of you are on that stage right, right now. Just then, the man sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Verse 19, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, he was perplexed. He couldn't care less who was coming and what was going on downstairs. He wanted to understand. 
And that's the longing of many Christians today. Some things we will do first and then understand them. Because when they are from God, in the spirit we respond and we will see mighty results. You will see them here in this chapter. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. So, and this is the fourth time he hears the Holy Spirit. Three times with the vision and now with the, with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so, so Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man. And they explained the whole story to him. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, which was a strange thing to invite Gentiles into your house, into the, the Jewish house. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, verse 24. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called his relatives and close friends. This man had faith. He didn't even know what the title of the message was going to be. And yet he said, friends, come. Family, come. Relatives, come. Come to my house. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. How many know that a Christian won't do that? Cornelius had no clue of Christian doctrine or theology. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. This is, this is all glorious. This is a description of a God-sent revival. Verse 28. Peter told them, You know it is against the laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. But God has shown me, now he's beginning to interpret the vision, that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Friends, all of us, most of us have some kind of revelation. And sometimes we, we carry it, but we have a big question mark. When the moment to act comes, a lot of that stuff will make sense. My father was... For years, talking prophetically about a revival that will come. Even people from the nation of Chile, you know, Chileans, Chileans and Argentines, we are always contending in soccer and about the borderline and many things. No good relationship most of the time. But these Christians came to tell us that there will come a revival so strange and powerful that Argentines will convert with tears in the, in the streets. And that's what literally happened. Any open field was fair game for a, for a Christian crusade when the revival came. So Peter told them, you know these things. It is unlawful for me, supposedly, to come here. But the Lord gave me fresh revelation. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Now, for some of us, our barrier with, with, may be within our own homes. I had a tremendous barrier with my 
atheist uncle. And I show you in previous meetings, I shared the testimony. And the barrier became a stronghold. I got to a point that I couldn't see him saved. Because as I was a teenager, I declared, this man, this blasphemous guy, he will never be saved. So I already judged him. I saved God some work. I judged him before <laughs> he died. And some of you know the story, 23 years of prayer, because the Lord told me, you pray first for your uncle and then for the rest of the people. And I did, without a lot of faith. You see, when you declare negative things about your home and your family, chances are you're going to try to fulfill the vision out of raw obedience, because you're obedient. And say, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I'm not sure I want it to happen, but you said it. I will do it. I'm a humble servant of the Lord. That's pitiful faith. That's not victorious faith. Victorious faith is when the dream of God becomes your dream. And you suddenly say, I have a vision for my family. And so 23 years later, my uncle gave his life to Christ, even with tears and repenting so many times. He says, all these years, I caused you so much trouble. Because he persecuted us and insulted us and, and, and made threats that when his political atheist party will take Argentina, they will take care of us. I thought, okay, we're dead. And so... He hated us, and I think sometimes I hated him. But in the midst of that, the Lord called me to pray, and I did pray. Little faith, no faith, but I prayed. And God, in his mercy, answered. And, and then he went to be with the Lord. As I share in my testimony, he died at the hospital bed. None of the other family members could be there for different reasons at that moment. And he had a prophet and an intercessor. And they held hands together. And my uncle, they, they described to me these two people that I know. They described how he entered eternity, like seeing a vision of the Lord, with such a peace. So there are dreams that God gives, and maybe you are perplexed by the vision, like Peter. But God is saying to you, I bring revelation to you to speed up. And as you are perplexed for the vision, as Peter was perplexed, there were already the three men looking for him. Something is about to happen in, this, in your homes and in this meeting. I believe this is a day of destiny for us. Hallelujah. So it says, verse 29, So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent for me. So again, the story is told. Cornelius replied. Now, Peter should have known because the, uh, the representatives of Cornelius already told the story, but he wanted to hear about one more time. Four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man, so he describes the angel and the vision. What is the response of Peter? Verse 33, so I said, well, Cornelius says, so I sent for you at once. And it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. Friends, 
These were not believers in Christ Jesus. These were sympathizers with Judaism. And this was the day. Something so powerful was about to happen because it was not only salvation. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit all at once. And baptism in water. So verse 34. Then Peter replied. I see very clearly. Before he was perplexed. Confused. Now he sees very clearly. Why? Because Peter obeyed also. And he did what the Lord told him to do. I see very clearly. That God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him. And do what is right. This is new language for Christians, even for Christians. Because in those days, the Jewish Christians believed in the Christian Judeo gospel. They, they couldn't yet quite picture that Jesus died for them all, for all the nations. But now it, has become, it was becoming clear to Peter. This message of good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Simple message he was preaching at that home. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know, verse 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. And healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Short, simple, but powerful message in a house church. Verse 39. And we apostles are witness of all he did throughout Judea. And then verse 42. And he ordered us to preach everywhere. And to me... That includes the internet, like we are doing tonight. Thank you, friends, for connecting. Yes. And it includes our homes. Peter was saying, we no longer have to preach outside the synagogue in the Solomon's colonnade. Because the, the Christians would not have Christian meetings inside the temple. It was outside. When it says in the temple and from house to house, it was outside the temple and from house to house. And yet now he's saying... We are called by God. We are ordered to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one. So, even verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. You know, I have seen this happen in my dad's ministry before the revival. A quiet church. And he was preaching and suddenly we are scared because someone starts speaking in tongues loud that never spoke in tongues before. They were instantly baptized by the power of God. Some of the people will be healed. Yes. Some of the people fall on the ground. And my father said, let's not interrupt the meeting because he was very orderly. And so he sent the ushers to sit the person up again. Five minutes later, that person was on the floor again under the power of God. We have seen this happening even as he was preaching. There are signs and wonders that are coming. And you will see them not only in the churches. You will see them in your homes. You will see them in the living room. There was a, 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 one of the churches in Argentina. When they 
got into the revival of holiness, this guy told me that for about a month, people that would come on fr in front of the church just walking because it was a busy uh, uh, walking street, they will fall under the power of God. And they will bring them in and help them out. Then they realize it was God touching them. And so many got converted. So God has ordered us to preach everywhere. Even as Peter, as Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. The Jewish believers <laughs> who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. That was the day of opening minds and opening hearts. Yeah. A new era of Christianity Amen. was beginning. Now, I want you to be extremely ambitious for the blessings and the glory of God in your home. Yeah. If you want a little, chances are you don't want what God wants for you. But if you are really exaggerated and you say, Lord, I want them, first of all, I want them all to be saved. I want them to serve you. I think you are in the right track. Dream with God. Align with God. Permit God to use your home as he used the home of Cornelius. Some of you might be saying, but my home is not as righteous as Cornelius. Or most of my home is unsaved. So the Apostle Paul said that light triumphs, triumphs over darkness. And for one uh, spouse that is holy... He or she brings holiness to the entire family. That's why the children are called holy. See, there are many things that we are not um, uh, taking the opportunity of it, but God wants to bless our homes. And so the Jewish believers, they could, they could, they could hardly believe it. For they heard them speaking in other tongues or languages and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now now that they have received the Holy Spirit just like we did so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ afterwards Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days it was all in one package because when God brings revival to the homes I believe he brings all the stages, including discipleship. Because these people have no concept of the Christian doctrine, but Peter, they had a pretty good teacher, don't you think? He stayed there several days to get them initiated in the training of Christianity, of the gospel. So I want to say to this wonderful church, River of Life, and to the believers that came from Missouri and wherever you come from, it doesn't really matter. God wants a parallel revival in our churches and in our homes. Amen. Yes. Amen. I, I said, friends, I'm trembling on this because it's not my kind of message. I said, Lord, I'm, you know, you made me a preacher of holiness. And here it comes with a revolutionary message, so simple and so old, but yet reminding you, God wants to transform our homes, and our families. And this could be the divine or a divine strategy to embrace our nation. United Prayer, Pastor clearly said, uh, talk about the importance of churches coming together. But then if our homes are stressed and divided, 
we lose a lot of strength. Friends, sometimes we barely make it. And God wants to strengthen our houses. Our homes have to be so blessed that people that walk in there, they say, oh, I feel something different here. This is a different place. Amen. So you will see this in Acts 10, Acts 11, which is an explanation of Acts 10, and Acts 15. Because this kind of meeting got the apostle Peter in trouble, and he had to give an answer. It's amazing how this powerful man of God, he was accountable to the other leaders in Jerusalem. Never play by yourself. Never, never go. You're not the lone ranger. Work as a team. Amen. So I want to mention today seven declarations in favor of our home. Because God had a declaration over the house of David. We'll see that later. That was fulfilled in the house of Cornelius. And he has a plan for every Christian home. Now some Christians think think that we can have a strategy for ministry, even a strategy for business, but not a plan for our homes and our families. And I have asked the Lord forgiveness for my blindness for so many years with those who do not know the Lord. It was like I was passive about it, not passive anymore. And we have been fasting and praying and trusting, and we don't have a rush. Before I would get frustrated if I pray 15 days on a row for something and I don't see the answer. I say, Lord, until my last breath, until the day before, the day I go, give me the strength to keep interceding. And whether I see them or, or they convert after my death, I don't care. As long as God fulfills Amen. the vision. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Acts 15, 17. So that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. Could it be that the Lord is giving us a key for a worldwide revival? Because there are millions and millions of Christian homes on earth. If every Christian home is revived, that will be powerful. That, that will turn the atmosphere of some nations right, right side up with the gospel. Amen. So declaration number one. My home is going to be visited by God. Now, for some of you, this might be presumptuous. It was for me. Lord, who am I to declare things like this? I'm not Cornelius. I'm not Peter. Do you think Acts chapter 10 is written there, left in the Bible, just for historic information? No, there has to be something for us. And I'm saying, Lord, not only help me to interpret the chapter, and I read it a hundred times, and in several versions. I consulted the Greek, and I spent hours and hours. But you know what? It's not only about interpretation. It's about application. Holy Spirit, how does this powerful testimony of revival in the living room affect my life and my home? My parents, before they got married, they shared a dream for their future home. They knew that God will visit them. And this was the dream. They called it in Spanish, oh, I heard it a hundred times or more. 
through the years. They were imagining that their home would be like a leafy tree with big branches that will extend to provide refuge and shade and protection to many, many, many people, just like those huge trees provide refuge and even food for animals. And throughout the years, I have seen this being fulfilled. But when the revival hit, it was clearly fulfilled. Because ministers from around the world will come to the revival. In the second stage of the revival, it became famous. So people from so many nations came. And my parents will host many of them, probably, I don't know, but many, many through the years in their home. So their house literally became like a refuge. And of course, they will stay after supper. Supper started at 10 p.m. in Argentina. And then they will stay until about 1, 2, 2 a.m. talking about and explaining what happened in the revival. And many of those pastors, they took revival to their nation. Yes. So also through the orphanage, we planted together with my parents and the school and the church. We seen this dream fulfilled. Do you have a dream for your home? Do you have hope? And when I'm talking about your home, I, I'm trying to be more New Testament oriented. Household. Those who are your relatives. Those who are part of your inner circle. They may not live exactly in your home, but you can connect them through the internet. Maybe they live in another city, but they are your first cousins or brother-in-law or, or whoever it is. Faith is an expectation and an anticipation that God will do something. Acts 10 shows a house that changed the history of Christianity. And so that is our first declaration. God will visit my home and my family. How many say yes and amen? amen. Hallelujah. Number two, my home is going to have the approval of God. For many, this is even harder than the first. They believe God will visit them, but that your house will be approved by God. And that was part of the problem. The house of Cornelius, according to the law, was not approved for the visitation of the preacher. But when Cornelius saw that vision, God was saying, these people are pre-approved by me for you to go and preach to them in their home. And God can bring a holy approval over your home. If your home is like mine, it's pretty imperfect. And are there any perfect Christians here? I was going to say, you don't need this meeting. You can go home. This is for imperfect people that are trying to grow in the faith. So I will never forget that day. That was I was ministering in China. Not in a stadium, believe me. Not even in a church. I had a group of about six, seven Chinese people from Hong Kong. And they have asked me if I would go enter China through the bridge. And, and I say yes, not knowing what would happen. And so as we entered this town... 
a lot of buildings, lots of buildings. Everything was the same color, gray. And I began to feel a little self-aware. And my group made sure I was self-aware. And they said, Pastor, please don't speak. Because uh, everyone in the neighborhood is watching you. They, I couldn't see them. I, plus, I wouldn't look like this. But they said, they know you're here. And so we kept walking slowly and knowing that we were being watched. And I have the privilege to go to one of those underground churches. But instead of being underground, it was on a six-story floor, on the sixth floor. And I still remember walking the stairs to that place. There was a moment, I need to confess this, I wasn't sure if these Christians around me, they were going to kidnap me or, or even kill me. I didn't know them very well. And I said, uh, I'm in the hands of the Lord and these people. And by the time we, uh, they opened the door of that home, when they opened the door, all the faces were looking towards us. The place was packed with people, standing room only. And they were waiting for the preacher to give them a word. So they had me sit down. They offered me Chinese tea, which I like very much. And I asked them, so how long do you want me to share? And they said, until night. It was about 9 a.m. <laughs> so they expected 12-hour meeting like nothing. And so I began to share. And I remember that the host of the house, uh, an old Chinese lady in her 70s, I believe, she kept staring at me. Uh, and I... I looked at the place first and then I focused on the message and the teaching and sharing my heart with these people through the, of course, through the translator. It was unbelievable. But at one point, this lady said, she noticed that I looked at a picture on the wall very briefly. And she said, Pastor, is this for God or against God? And the picture was sort of occultic. And uh, I was so reluctant, so early in the teaching to define it. But I said, I don't believe it's from God. So very quickly, she said, bring me a chair. And she climbed on the chair and on a table and ripped that thing out of the wall very quickly. Amen. These people were desperate for instruction and for training, and it was a powerful house church. They have hymn books, and they have Bibles. It was fantastic. That home, I believe, had the approval of God way before I got there. It had no, nothing to do with the preacher. The instruction came later, but God sowed their hearts. And there is a plan and an approval for your home. Yes. Why? Because it's yours, and you're a Christian. You're a believer. Oh. God wants to do amazing things with your family. Acts 10, 15. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. I remember the day we were at the playground with my little kids. I have three boys. Now they are grown up and married. But they were very small, like seven, five, and three years old. 
And these kids were behaving, no, misbehaving, <laughs> terribly. I look at, to them and I'm going like, this, these guys are savages. I mean, <laughs> and, and I, was go, I was really getting irritated as a father. And then in my uh, indignation, I thought I would correct them so strongly they will never forget the lesson. Because it looked like they were going to destroy the playground. That's not the way that we taught them, you know. And as I was walking towards them and they saw me coming serious, the Holy Spirit talks to me and said, they are my servants. It changed the tone of voice, my face, everything. One word from God. Oh, so I invited the future servants of the Lord to come. <laughs> and they stood in front of me and with a lot of dignity and respect, I still gave them a correction. But it was a different one than an angry father trying to scream at the kids. When you have the vision, when you have, when you receive the revelation of what God wants to do with the members of your family, you will treat them differently. Oh, he, here comes the preacher. You will think. But the person still comes drugged or drunk or whatever, cussing up a storm. But hey, you have seen something they have not seen yet. Can you go with what you see in the heavenlies? Can you live with that vision and, and let the Lord fulfill it in your life? Now, some of you say, well, I have a lot of promises, but they, they don't become fulfilled. You know that many promises in the Bible are conditional. If you obey my commandments, I will give you this. If you do this, I will give you this. You break the covenant, I'm not obligated to fulfill that promise. Even if you stop believing in that promise, it's like you dismiss the, the agreement because the agreement is a covenant of faith. How many understand that? So I would say many homes have got, gotten rid of sinful symbols and habits, but maybe not of iniquity. But when you bring the vision and the plan of God in your home, you're acting differently. You're seeing your home as sanctified. Yes. This lady who was a leader in my parents' church, she came to my mother at, at our house, and she said to her, I'm going to divorce my husband. He is not a servant of God. He hates Christianity. I'm divorcing her, him. And my, wife, my mom tried to persuade her not to divorce, but he, she said, I lost all my love for him. I don't love him anymore. I have to divorce him. And my mom, she doesn't, she's not a theologian, but she is very practical. And so small, uh, short as she is, she put her hand on her shoulder, her both hands. And she said, then I give you, in the name of Jesus, the anointing to love your husband. And the lady received it. And for years, she prayed with love and hope. And years later, when we see both of them serving in the church, it was fantastic. God gave my mother a vision. Hallelujah. So please, reject the spirit of shame in your home. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed of your pagan relatives or family members. Ask God for a vision. 
Don't use disapproval. Don't use accusations or even regrets. Oh, God, why did you give me this family? If you would have given me a better family, I would have served you better. That's never the plan of God. That doesn't work. And it can destroy or quench the love in many marriages. You need to be faithful in your marriage. Not only faithful of not having adultery, but also faithful in your mind and in your affections. And there were times in my prayers with God, God pointed directly. Say, you're, you're, you are a traitor in your heart because you are thinking these thoughts about your wife. God, forgive me. How many know sometimes we get reconverted in our prayers? You know? Lord, I come to just as I am. <laughs> I come to you. Hallelujah. The vision of the sheet or the canvas prepared Peter to enter the home of a Gentile. The vision of God will prepare you to enter your home with faith and with the plan of God. And the same vision was repeated three times. Amen. Number three, my home will proclaim the good news. Uh, it, gets, it gets more glorious and harder. For some of you, it's enough to think, okay, they are all going to be good people. They are going to serve the Lord and we're going to be a united family. But my home will proclaim the good news. In my house, the gospel will be preached. Yes. And uh, I had dinner with a group of, a small group of pastors in a small house in Cuba when I went to minister there. And what a memory of that dinner. Because they start giving me a little history of how God multiplied the churches in Cuba under heavy persecution in those days. And they said, when the government decided that the maximum people we could have in any meeting would be 16 people, we, pastor, we were so angry with the government. That's what they said. But we had to obey or go to jail. He's, they said that was the beginning of the multiplication of the church because we have to start planting house church after house church. Some of the pastors were teenagers, young people. And even one of the pastors, I visited his church in Cuba and asked him, you seem to be very young. How, how old are you? 19. Wow. And, and he said, Pastor, not only I pastor this church, we pastor several others because on Monday we go on trips and start. Uh, we planted other churches. I was amazed. I said, these people have nothing and they are doing everything for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Smile, Jesus loves you. We were mad at the government, but then we started to multiply because we raised young preachers, even teenagers. And then I asked them, is this house a house church? They say, yes. But now the government removed that limitation. Oh, how wonderful, I say. I was like an innocent spiritual tourist trying to learn from them. And they said, uh, I say, oh, how wonderful. How many people come to your house church here? I mean, a small living room and the kitchen, everything was pretty nice and close. And they say about 700. And they look at me. They were enjoying the conversation. I know. <laughs> and when they saw me so perplexed, they smile again. And they say, Pastor, I know it's hard to believe, but the host, Pastor, uh, the, the, the leader of the house, the, 
the head of the house says, will you stand here? So from the table, I walk about 10 steps. Said, stand, but you have to stand right here, right here. Okay, okay. He said, now, you can see the kitchen, right? Or the kitchen, living room, same thing. And now through the window, you see, what do you see? I see the street. He said, we are people in the streets. And then through this other window and door, you see the little backyard. So when they meet, hundreds of people come and they fill up the street to the other side. Now, this was not a, like a, an independent unit. This was part of four-story floors. So I asked them, how do you do this? Do the neighbors complain? He said, they used to complain. Now they are all saved. They all come to the meeting. I'm saying revival in the home. Hallelujah. Cornelius was waiting for Peter and his friends and had called together his relatives and close friends. So they talked they talk together and then they went inside where many others were assembled. The house was packed. What a glorious strategy for the end times. Number four, another declaration of faith. And I'm doing this in my own home, okay? My home will see the salvation of my family and friends. Can you say it with me? My home will see the salvation of my family and friends. Some of you may say, well, we are an older couple or... We live alone. We don't have a big family at home. But you have other homes that are relatives. You can connect them. Who knows what the Lord will do. I don't bring to you a strategy. I bring to you a vision of revival in the homes. Yes. Amen. When we started our ministry online, we basically connected homes. To this day, we're doing that. And an old man who used to be a sweet Christian, but because his wife had an unfaithfulness with him, he grown so bitter that he would come to the door of the church to insult my father, the pastor, and to insult people inside. He was full of bitterness. And sometimes they have to call the police to retain him. But at one point, he saw me preaching a simple message through the internet. And my friend, very close friend of mine, his son, he said, my father wouldn't listen to any messages in any churches. But in the living room, yes. And with tears that day, he received Jesus again and was saved. Amen? <laughs> to the surprise of all his family. <laughs> Hallelujah. So salvation was given in the house of Cornelius. But not only that, sanctification came all in one shot. Because it says that in Acts 15.9 that God cleansed their hearts through faith that day. In one day, saved and holy. And in Acts 2.46 it says they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Part of the simplicity of the early church and the power of the early church was the simplicity of the homes. They did not have a building dedicated to a temple. They couldn't. They probably would if they could, but they couldn't. And then in Acts 5.42, it 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. So could it be that the, in the end times where we are living now, because one of our feet is in apocalypse, in the book of Revelation, we are already there at the beginning. Could it be that God makes a full circle and we return to some of the simple revivals and strategies of the New Testament? And uh, then number five, another declaration. My home shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. Part of the preparation of my dad's church for the revival was this slogan. Lleva la la iglesia a tu casa. Take the church to your house. And his goal was, before the revival, that every home will be a church. In those days, it was sort of unpopular, especially among other churches, but that was the strategy God gave him. And it prepared the hearts of people because in the homes, he prepared local preachers. that could They couldn't preach in the local church because there were not enough meetings. But they could preach in so many homes in the city of La Plata. And I have seen the Holy Spirit descend in some of those homes where the power of God will descend on everybody like a choir. They were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It can happen again. And if it happened in the city of La Plata, it can happen in Dallas. It can happen anywhere. How many say yes and amen? amen. Hallelujah. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. This is, in a sense, a description of glory. When God does it, and it surprises us, and it is beyond ministration or impartation, because Peter was just preaching, he was sharing, but the Holy Spirit came and baptized them all. Hallelujah. Number six, another powerful declaration, my home will mentor Many new believers. I told you it gets harder to believe. Okay, it's a, it's, These are like steps on a stair. And, and, and it, it requires increasing faith. In one of my visits to Guatemala, I went many, many times there. But years ago, uh, one of the pastors shared how they had people in their homes. And the homes in that a particular area of Guatemala especially, were very small, tiny homes. And they will have up to 30 people inside the house. So as I had the privilege to visit one of those houses, I asked them, it was not a meeting that day, but I asked them, how do you put 30 or more people in a place like this? And they share something that I never forget. They say, Pastor, our, meeting, our, our meetings are on Wednesday. But uh, during the day on Wednesday morning, we empty the house. We had an agreement with our neighbors who are Christians. And we take the table, the chairs, the beds. We empty the house so that more people can have room to hear the word of the Lord. Jesus. If they can do it yeah. with those limitations, our American homes are so blessed. We have even air conditioning so that our, our house church or whatever you call it, they don't have to be sweating too much. But we will consecrate our homes to the Lord. 
Even as we were in worship, God was giving me fresh revelation. I said, Lord, yes, yes, yes. On what to do with my home. Because my family is not yet in the ways of the Lord. I have several. Some are, some are not. And I'm contending because I want them all. Did I tell you the story of a revivalist that recently, when I visited his church and I preached there, he, he has 23,000 members in his church in Resistencia Chaco. So he told me after he passed 20,000 members, he got bold in faith, bolder. And he said, he, he's, he, he told me this. I never asked him. He told me, he said, you know, I start praying. I said, Lord, now that you gave me these thousands of people, I'm going to ask for half of the city of Resistencia. Half of my city, I want them saved. The city has 100,000 people, just about. So he had faith for 50,000. He said, the Holy Spirit answered immediately. He asked me, what do you want me to do with the other half? Apparently, the request was not enough for God. The Bible says, ask me and I will give you nations. Listening to one of my powerful mentors, Cindy Jacobs, she has this vision that some, city, some nations will become completely Christian. I believe that. The revival will sweep so tremendously that from the president to the last citizen, they will become Christians. So we're going to declare in faith, my home, can you say it with me? My home will mentor many new believers. So there was water baptism that day, and Peter and his team stayed there to disciple the people. And finally, number seven. Now, this is kind of curious. My new sermons they are, most of them have seven points. And some of you may wonder, is that a Holy Spirit strategy? Well, I hope so, but really it's because with every point, I make a video, daily video for my network because our meetings are so short, so I can only make a one to two minute video. And this is part of my strategy. Seven days in the week, seven points in my sermon. Smile, Jesus loves you. A lady tried to share the gospel with her son many times. He was sick of it. He rejected, he refused until the Lord gave her a strategy. So she said, after my son will go to work, then I'll enter her, her, his room and begin to sanctify and anoint everything he had, including his uh, sports shoes, everything, and pray and intercede. A few months later, her son was saved. He came to Christ. Hallelujah. God will give you ways and strategy. And we are saying this declaration. My home is going to fulfill God's purpose. My home will fulfill God's purposes. In the book of Exodus, the Lord commanded the people to anoint the, the, the doorposts of their entrance to the house with blood so that the angel will not come and bring destruction. 
And we are to anoint our homes, to pray for the gates of our homes, to be real intercessors, and to expel any evil power in our own homes. I do this in my hotel room, for instance. When I come to a hotel room, I'm aware that there might have been evil or immorality or foul language or whatever there was there before. And so I begin to pray and sanctify the place. And I say, Lord, this looks like a cubicle, my room. I have a big room and beautiful hotel. Thank you, church, for taking care of me. Now, I commit it to the Lord. I sanctify it so that there will not be an obstruction of demons while I'm trying to pray and prepare sermons. Amen? And you do the same in your home because that's your first pulpit. That's your first platform. It, it, it revolutionized my heart when the Lord, when I said, Lord, please strengthen our online groups. We have the groups of prayer and discipleship. Strengthen them so that, that our homes will be stronger. And the Lord said, the other way around. I will strengthen the homes so that your ministry will become stronger. And in the strengths of the home, for many pastors, it's going to be easier to shepherd their church. Because by the time they, the believers come from those spirit-filled, sanctified homes, they come here and it, this is an explosion of power. Amen? Hallelujah. In conclusion... Again, Acts 15, 17, for the rest of humanity to seek the Lord. That's why God touched the home of Cornelius to open a door to the Gentiles so that the rest of humanity will seek the Lord. Acts 15, 9 and forward. Oh, if you can read it at home because we are running out of time. Nine, uh, 15, 9 to 19. And you will see how there it talks about the house of David. That's what it applies, talking about Cornelius' house and said, this is the fulfillment. When the prophet says, I will restore, I will visit the house of David. Afterwards, verse 16, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it. God was restoring the inheritance of the house of David through the Gentiles, through Cornelius, through a house church. Yes. Hallelujah. So, in verse 17, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. Can you imagine if by us sanctifying and consecrating again our homes, then our neighbors become aware of the presence of God and they, be, they start seeking the Lord. That's what we need in America people to seek the Lord again. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. So, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to finish with this testimony. When I received the baptism of fire, it was 1997. And, uh, even though my in-laws, my wife's family, they are believers. But they were believers from a very sectarian denomination. To the point that they will cry in their prayers. 
for my wife and I to get saved. Because they couldn't understand anyone being saved if they are not in their church. So that brought, there were years of discussion. And I would open the Bible to my father-in-law respectfully and showing, but their brains could not reason through the scriptures because they were trained that way. Legalism can do a lot of damage to our thinking. But by the grace of God and with a lot of love and respect and honor, we were at peace. Not in agreement, but at peace. And there I am in the city of Goshen, Indiana. And the power of God comes on me in a meeting where I was not even preaching. I fell on the floor trembling. I tried to stand up. I couldn't. Two associate pastors helped me to stand up. This went on for minute after minute after minute. I was fully aware. And I couldn't control it. And I was crying and shaking. And I had a lot of embarrassment and a lot of joy. All the emotions mixed. And as the senior pastor looked at me, he said to the worship team, we're going to sing another song. I was so embarrassed. I said, I know what they are singing. That was not in the church bulletin. They are singing because they don't know what to do with me. And my father had trained me never to interrupt the meeting or call attention to yourself. Lord, get me out of here. So, when they finished the song, the senior pastor comes down from the platform and I looked to him, my friend, and I was a mess, okay? Uh, undone by the power of God. And, and I said, my friend, do not let me interrupt this meeting. Please take me out of here. And he calmly comes, put his, his hand over, his arms over my shoulder and says, Sergio, you're not interrupting. This is from God. And it soothed my spirit because I didn't know what I had. I didn't even know what I had. And instead of telling the ushers to take me out quickly, no, they sat me on the front row. And there was a visiting speaker. And he started preaching. But the fire was on me that I never experienced before a fire like that. So suddenly I felt burning and I screamed. And the people and the preacher. And then I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to interrupt the preaching of the word. So I put my handkerchief on my mouth. And the fire of God comes again and I fall on the floor. So the ushers run sat me up again I was, I was feeling sorry for the visiting preacher but something was about to happen in that place towards the end of the meeting instead of the pastor just leaving me alone he said brother Sergio has a word for all of us now the problem additional problem I know I have an accent in my English but this was worse. I couldn't speak. I was blurry. I was like a drunk. I was not myself. And he comes, helps me stand up in front of the people and puts the microphone like this. 
And I said something about holiness. And the people start running, crying, running to the front. And they couldn't reach the front of the platform because they fell on the ground. Trembling, repenting, confessing sins. It was pure revival. And I was shocked. And a relative of my wife happened to be at that meeting. And he came. It was hard to walk through the people on the floor. He came and I was looking at them. I didn't understand. And he came to me and he said, Sergio, do you need a ride? I remember the embarrassment. I thought, in America, here in America, they ask that question to someone that drinks too much. And I said, yes, please. So he took me in his car, in the back of the car, to my in-laws. And I was shaking, crying, filled with the Holy Spirit in an inexplicable way and praying this prayer Lord do not let my in-laws see me like this you see the problems that we had and this will bring terrible division in the family oh please my Lord do not let this bring destruction in my home but the Lord didn't answer my prayer because as this brother ushers me into the house of my parents I call them mom and dad but they are my in-laws now my mom is in heaven but my father is still with us my, my father-in-law and I realized they, their Pentecostal meeting finished earlier and they were right there and I was sweat and I, I, I said oh this is the end of family harmony forever yeah? and I said to my mom mom don't be scared I'm okay but please don't look at me I couldn't walk this brother was helping me so he started explaining all excited about what God has done with me in the meeting so I took advantage of the moment I couldn't walk but I could crawl I went crawling upstairs to my room and I stayed there for about a couple of hours and then the trembling stopped and I said I'm normal again I'm going to see if I can reorient, re, uh, rethink the relationship. So I went downstairs, and my mom looked at me very intensely. And she said, I have a plate of food for you, because you missed lunch. Do you want it? I said, yes, mom, I'm hungry. So she placed them on the table, placed the food on the table, and she said, isn't the Lord good? And when she said that, the power of God came on me. So strong. I fell on the ground again. I crawled up the stairs for many more hours. But I share this also to mention the work that God did in the home. It was not only in the church, in the home. Because when my mother saw me coming in in that shape, she pointed to me and she said, this is what we need in our denomination. I thought I was losing my mind. God was touching. I said, with all the arguments and the, the Bible explanations that I tried to give them, there was no harmony. And now they want this in their denomination. Time later, when I wrote the book, The, Fi the Fire of His Holiness, my father-in-law asked me for a box of them. 
to give to all the preachers that he knew in the denomination. Incredible work of the Holy Spirit. And to this day, I don't believe they pray for my salvation. They accept that I'm saved. <laughs> God wants to surprise your home and your family. I don't know if it's going to be through verbal preaching of the word or shaking and trembling or healing someone on the spot or an angel coming to your relatives and saying, hey, call that relative of yours that always tries to preach to you. Now I'm here to tell you he or she is legit. The angels can prepare the way. Amen. So dream with me for a revival in our homes. If our families, all of them, are revolutionized by Christ, it's going to be powerful. And we are going to be stronger because we'll have their support instead of their criticism. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want with the rest of this meeting. Come and take over, Lord. You did it in the house of Cornelius, and I pray that you do it here, my Lord. Come. Come, take over our lives, our thoughts, our dreams, our homes. Even as we are standing in your presence, we pray for miracles for those relatives that are prodigals, that deny the faith, or those who are on drugs or alcohol, or just plain unbelief. Rescue them, save them, Lord, in Jesus' name. But right now we pray for another outpouring of your spirit in our lives. Come, fire of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and baptize us again. Come and fill us with your power. Give us divine vision. If Peter had a vision, if Cornelius had a vision, we want the vision for our homes. We want your vision, Lord, for our city. In Jesus' name, come, my Lord. Hallelujah. Could we sing another song to the Lord? Hallelujah. Or play, or, yes, whatever, yes. God is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Jesus, I love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. How could I we love leave you. the shelter of your hand? Where could I go? Where would I stand? How could I leave the shelter? I'm going to invite you to repeat in faith once again. God will visit my home. My family. My relatives. And my friends. I declare it with faith. I want revival in my house. In Jesus we pray. Hallelujah. Glory to the King of Kings. Get closer to the Lord now. Get closer to the Lord. 
There is salvation, there is healing, there is restoration, there is faith, there is vision. Yes, 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 yes. Those who are in the outer courts of the sanctuary come in the inner courts, in the inner patio. Those who are in the inner patio, they are to enter the Holy of Holiest through the blood of Jesus. Come, my Lord, now. Come, my Lord. Come, my Lord. Break the fallow ground, the ground that used to be fertile, used to be tender, but has become hardened through the trials of life. Lord, melt our hearts. Oh, break the fallow ground. Purify us, Lord. Prepare a fertile soil for the revival that is coming in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I declare that we bring captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The spirit of wisdom is here. The spirit of knowledge, the spirit of revelation and understanding is in this house. Something is being broken right now. Something, some resistance, some oppression of the devil is being broken so that we can see the vision, so that we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Faith, faith, faith. Baptism of faith in your life. Baptism of faith in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep persevering, saints. Keep persevering. You are going against the current in this present time, in this present darkness, but you are going for the light. Keep persevering. Keep persevering for your miracle, for salvation, for, for revival in the homes, for revival in our churches, for revival in our community, for revival in our circle of friends. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, break every barrier right now. Any barrier that comes to your mind, break it in Jesus' name and say, I am an anointed evangelist. I have the power of the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes upon me to be a witness for His for His gospel in Jesus' name. Power, 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 deliverance, deliverance, authority, revival, 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 freedom, freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. Angels, angels helping us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Send your angels even to this meeting. Cornelius needed an angel. We need angels in our homes. We need angels around us. Oh, God, strengthen us today. Strengthen us today. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Oh yes, there is victory. There is power. There is heaven on earth. Hallelujah. 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 The resistance of sickness has to go. We declare healing. Healing power tonight. Those who are not baptized by the Holy Spirit. Oh Holy Spirit, fill them tonight. Fill them tonight. In Jesus' name, revival night, revival night. Today, 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 this is the day. This is the visitation. The Lord is here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We say yes to you. We say yes to your promises. We say yes to your prophecies. We say yes to your destiny and your plan for our lives. Hallelujah. 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 Yes and amen. The promises of God are yes. And amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we're going to team, teamwork with Pastor, uh, with Brother Ralph. We're going we're gonna to do a team.
anointing and impartation for all of you. And uh, God is faithful. God is good. Yesterday, last night, I had that serenity in the spirit, knowing that he was at work in every one of you as I was praying. And today we continue. And this mantle that the Lord gave me and that the Lord gave us as servants of the Lord is passed on to you. Because when God gave us uh, anointings, is also to share with the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Here are the revivalists. Amen. You. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> 